One Control Report Podcast, episode 190. We're getting close to episode 200 here. <laughs> so uh, am I going to do anything special? Probably not. It's just, uh, you know, this podcast is just me, myself, and I being here. It's a little hard to be like, what am I going to do? Do fancy. We had that one year where my carpet was flooded. And so I was doing my podcast with my carpet all being all wet. That was a cool year, huh? The look up the wet floor episode, <laughs> um, uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, it's gonna be normal, normal episode 200, probably, unless something weird happens. Um, but yeah, so you know, sticking with normal stuff, I'm here to talk to you today about video games. Uh, I haven't played anything new really, um, I've been mostly focusing on trying to get content done for the website. I, you know, I've kind of mixed on how well I've been able to do with that but we'll get we'll get to that later um so stuff that i have been playing though is i recently uh finished up alleyway so i kind of cheated my way to the end of alleyway so i, I probably put i forgot to check a bit before the end of the podcast but i probably put about five to eight hours into alleyway I, if i had to guess um which if you don't know what alleyway is it's basically a uh, uh breakout you have a paddle at the bottom of the screen Move it back and forth. There's a ball that bounces up and down, and there's blocks at the top, and you break the blocks on the top of the screen. And Alleyway is for a, a launch game for the Game Boy, and it was published by Nintendo. I think R&D 1 worked on it. I don't know for sure. Um, but, you know, when it comes to Nintendo uh, spins on those kind of games, you typically would expect a bit more in terms of, like, you know, maybe there's some kind of items, or maybe there's some, some like, obstacles on the course that are, that are unique or interesting. No, this is basically just Breakout, um, and, and sometimes you get, like, uh, Mario-themed uh, block layouts. So you get, like, Cheep Cheeps, or you get, like, a, a Koopa Troopa, things like that. Um, so, so I played, you know, a good chunk of this, and, and, I, and I'm glad that I've played this game as long as I have, because I do feel like I've learned a lot about, you know, how to control the ball in that game. Um, basically, you can use the A and B button to kind of slow down and speed up your paddle. And, um, you know, if you're able to kind of swipe the ball with the paddle, you can kind of change the trajectory of how the ball goes up. And, and learning how to do that so you can properly aim is a uh, is a big deal, because if you if you don't, if you just sit there and try to bounce the ball back, um, you know, it's, it, you get in a lot of times where you end up in loops where you're like spinning the ball around and not really doing anything. Um, there's also, uh, bonus levels that have timers. So, so you can't really afford to do that too much. Um, so, so it's been fun to like, uh, to, to be forced to kind of sit down and learn how, how that paddle movement worked and how it affects the ball. Um, one of the kind of interesting things, and I don't know if this is, this is the first breakout game I've ever played in depth, or at least recently. Um, so I don't know if this is true for all these types of games, or if this is a alleyway specific thing. But like the left and right side of the paddle, um, kind of have um, different like they don't. It's not like pong where like if a ball hits it, it's just going to bounce off in the way that you would expect with like a physics. Like if you throw a ball at a wall at an angle, it's going to bounce off and go away from you, right? Um, but in the case of alleyway, like depending on what side of the paddle you hit, the ball could do like a complete 180 and shoot right back up where it came from, or it could do like a more traditional pong bounce and kind of bounce off into the other direction. Um, so it's, it's interesting, um, because it does make you have to really think about where you're hitting the ball on the paddle. And you also have to move the paddle in a way to kind of, kind of push the ball in different directions or like, or kind of nudge the ball in different directions, I guess I should say, to kind of make sure it doesn't just like bounce and go directly back to where it was and just kind of bounce off the walls um but yeah other than 
than that, though, like, it's pretty straightforward, and I enjoyed my time with it, and I don't think I would have learned a lot about the paddle um, system if I if I had gone and did what I did to f- finish the game, which was I went ahead and spent the $3 to buy it on 3DS and use the save states to get through the last, like, six levels of the game. <laughs> um, I could get to the Mario, the, the, the 18th stage, I think, or 16th or 18th stage, somewhere in that range, um, where, where it had, like, a Mario head that you need to, to break, but I always just got stuck at the Mario head. Something about, like, how the, the two little bro- blocks on the side and, then, like, the little holes you gotta kind of like shoot the ball into to get to the top of the mario head and kind of pick away at mario's cap um uh just always goof me up i guess uh so i would would end up blowing up enough balls and there's no continue in that game so once you were not alive uh it's right back to the beginning um but yeah it, it, it was challenging and honestly it's a little um a little slow at times and long and i just kind of was losing some of my patience with it at some point like i felt like i i got like 99 percent of what i wanted out of that game um so then at the end to just be like all right all right i feel like i'm just bashing my head against this at this point so time to time to use the save states um you know how i use save states in games really depends I, i think there's definitely you know there's definitely controversy around save states at times where some people are like, well, if you didn't, if you didn't beat the game without save states, you didn't beat it. And I get that. Like somebody, somebody gave me a hard time about Star Fox. They were Star Fox one, uh, mentioned that they didn't feel like I beat Star Fox one because I had played through that game about three or four times, you know, got to the end, got to Andros and then just died on Andros and didn't have enough lives to continue. So the last time I was like, all right, this is like my fourth time through this game. I'm just going to save state. <laughs> kill andros all right we're good <laughs> um just because at some point i feel like it's it's a it's a kind of a, a time versus you know value kind of thing like yes I, I i learned a lot from alleyway from not using safe states um for a chunk of time um but at some point i just would it was kind of just like diminishing returns right i mean i would definitely get better at the game um but i just kind of felt like it wasn't like i wasn't getting a lot out of it you know on a play-by-play uh basis so yeah, I think that's just like a time when it, when I'm just like, all right, cool. I'll use save states. I do try to be responsible with save states. So I don't sit there and try to sit there and like, you know, I missed the ball once in alleyway and like, ah, dang. And then reload a save state. I really try to miss, uh, try to avoid doing that. So I'll, I'll leave a save state at like the beginning of a board. So it's kind of like a checkpoint kind of thing. Um, I did find myself, uh, on some of the, the last couple stages of alleyway. Um, there's, there's these, these boards in, in alleyway where like the, the, like you, you get presented with the set of blocks and then after you break enough of them, like the board will shift down and reveal a second set of blocks after that. Um, and so I would like save like halfway through after I got through the first set of blocks, wait for it to come down. Okay. Save, do the next set of blocks kind of thing just to save time because it, it just really felt like I was just kind of grinding away at it at some point. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely downsides to using save states though. It was, um, the Mega Man Zero is a game that I always con- considered that I, I should have used save states differently. Cause I, I kind of basically, uh, used it as a checkpoint at each map transition. So every time I like would fade the screen, I'd use it, I'd set a save state and use that as the checkpoint at the beginning of the area. But apparently Mega Man Zero has this thing where if you die enough on a mission, uh, enemies will come and like attack the base that you're at. So I never got to see that. And I didn't find out about that till after I finished the game. Cause I, <laughs> cause I save stated my way, uh, uh, past all the, the sections of the game. So there's definitely a balance there. And, and I, I think there is damage that can be done depending if you, if you haven't, you know, spent a lot of time on, on, um, um, 
a game and, and you know like what the consequences of dying would be if it's just you know restarted the game like an alleyway i'm not really a huge deal but like if you're missing content like in Mega Man zero that probably matters so anyways i think the big thing though is that you know in, in the case of like doing a, like a casual review or something like that for alleyway which i think i will do um it's just making sure i'm i'm transparent right like it's okay if you come to my alleyway review and say hey i don't think that you deserve to write about this game because you um you you save states which is fine um at that point i just say hey well don't use my review then <laughs> yeah um where other people probably that won't bother as much uh so so it's just a matter of you know being transparent with that stuff uh, i mentioned it in the ridge racer ds review ridge racer ds there's like the first cup and the second cup i was able to get through on my own uh and then there's like extra races which are like kind of end game races i don't think they're really meant to be played as a part of the main portion of the game um and i I was doing the first one that they gave you and holy crap, it was hard. And I spent hours and hours and hours on that one race and, and the rubber banding AI was just so annoying. And I was just like, okay, I I can't. <laughs> so I basically safe stated on the last lap that I had. Um, and, and, basically ran that lap over and over and over again. So, so, you know, it, it, you know, I was, I was upfront about that in the the review though. So, you know, and that, and it, it was like kind of, you know, end game stuff. So I didn't, I didn't really feel too bad about it, but you know, every person's different with that kind of thing. So anyways, alleyway, there'll probably be some kind of video about it uh, at some point here. I, I don't really know when, um, I don't know if I'll work on, I think, I think probably the next thing I'll do, um, I'll get into content later. I'll get, I'll get to that. We'll pass on that for now. Um, also still just playing Left 4 Dead 2. I don't have a lot new to say about Left 4 Dead 2, but I do have one grievance that I want to kind of talk about. Um, so if you don't know the structure of Left 4 Dead, uh, Left 4 Dead essentially has, um, these campaigns and those campaigns are broken up into, um, like four to five sections or whatever like that. So, so there's like, you go through this part of the section, you get into a safe room and it kind of saves progress. And they, it's not really like a complete reset. Like you don't get all your health back when you get into those safe rooms. Um, but you get like a, usually a fresh, fresh medical kit, um, you know, a new set of weapons you can choose from and, and, and a refill of your ammo. Uh, but if you go in there with like different, like items and things like that those carry over if you're if you go in there and you have like one hp left you'll start the next map with one hp that's what that health kit's for <laughs> um, um but so it's it's uh it's 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 broken up in this way that you kind of can do checkpoints throughout the map um and then and then what we do like sometimes we don't we don't finish a campaign in a night because you know we're adult adults that have life and sleeping that needs to happen um so so we don't always uh uh uh, play through all the campaign in one sitting we'll we'll do it where we get like half of the campaign it's like 11 30 at night it's like right, i gotta go to sleep for work um so so we'll stop and then kind of pick back up at that part of the campaign later technically we're starting in the middle of the campaign uh they do like kind of refresh your items and your health and things like that if you start that way and you're not that you won't get an achievement for beating it but anyways all that aside uh there's these a couple maps in the game um where there are two sections to an entire campaign. Um, one being Crash Course, and the one that we're working on right now, and it's the last campaign that we have left, is, um, I forget what it's called. It's, it's the one that came out recently, like the surprise update they put out that people were like, oh, Left 4 Dead 2 campaign for some reason? Uh, <laughs> uh, the Last Stand, I think it might be what it's called. Anyways, um, so so these campaigns are like in two sections, and, and they're kind of long um long sections as well um so 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 
I'm not a huge fan of this, this, this design. We spent a lot of time stuck on Crash Course because there's just like an entire level that you do, which we were able to get past that first level, not to, or that first section, not, not with, without too much difficulty. But the second section was like an entire level plus a finale. And it just like felt like it was forever. And, and like, we, I don't think we ever beat that, that on expert at this point. We got to go back and we may go back and try to, I, I'm, I'm trying to convince them that we're going to go back and finish that on expert just because I want to just finish everything on expert. But, but anyways, um, um, but for the, 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 the last stand map or whatever, it's a little better paced where, where it's like, uh, there's one section and that one section is really, really long. And then the second section basically do- drops you basically in the finale. There is one section right before it or one, like, uh, uh, like, uh, encounter right before it, but otherwise you go straight to the boss fight or whatever. But I just feel like those maps could be broken up better. Uh, I guess maybe the thought is that it's a harder challenge having less checkpoints, but I, I personally find it just find it a little frustrating. So anyways, um, but yeah, we're almost done with that, that last stand campaign. We just got to finish the, the last boss fight essentially on that. And then, uh, and then if we can convince, uh, or if I can convince the rest of the group that we're going to do a crash course and finish that out on expert, uh, we'll do that. And then it will be done with Left 4 Dead 2, I think. Um, I haven't, like, I know there was some talk in that group of wanting to um, do some additional stuff with Left 4 Dead 2. I personally don't have a lot of interest, but we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I think the plan is maybe to play Gauntlet next or something like that. So, but yeah, Left 4 Dead, still playing that. I think we're at like 50 or 60 hours at this point. So it's been a, a while, uh, but I've been enjoying playing on Expert. I'm glad we did it on Expert rather than Advance. I find Advance really boring. Just it's kind of not enough going on. And, and there's times where it just feels like you... You as the the like as a fourth or third player just don't have anything to do because the the first two people in front like are always just kind of killing everything. You're just kind of like, well, I can't really like peek over and shoot anything. Where I feel like an expert, I feel like there's a real urgency to defending behind you. Like even if one zombie comes, um, you know, it it does like a one fifth of your health if they hit you. So so you feel more important being in the back, even if you're just defending against a rogue zombie here or there. Um, in terms of news this week, there was kind of nothing, um, but we do have something coming up that I that I think is worth mentioning, and that is a Sword Art Online event that's coming up. I believe it's on January 27th in Japan. It's like at 8 p.m. I'm not sure what time that is in the U.S., um, so it might technically be like January 26th in the U.S., but uh, 27th in Japan at least. Um, and they said they're going to talk about a new Sword Art Online game during that event. Um, what kind of Sword Art Online game? They haven't really said yet. Um, it's kind of interesting with Sword Art Online. Um, there's a lot of different developers who work on the Sword Art Online brand when it comes to video games. Um, so you have Dimps that works on uh, that worked on Fatal Bullet. I don't think they've worked on any other uh, Sword Art Online game yet. You have, I, I believe it's Aquaria is is one of them that worked on uh, Hollow Realization. Um, and then uh, somebody else worked on on um, the Fairy one. I forget what it's called, but uh, yeah. So, anyways, a bunch of different developers work on Sword Art Online games. So. Um, so I'd be curious to see which developer's up next. Assuming it's not a mobile developer. If it's a mobile game, then I'm not really that interested. There are, I think recently, a sort of online mobile game did shut down. So I guess there is space that potentially there could be a a sort of online mobile game that gets put out. But I think there are multiple sort of online mobile games. So I don't think that space is particularly lacking. Um, you know, I haven't played Alicization with Chorus yet. So it's not really that important to me. Uh, to see what the next one is at this point. You know, I just finished up that last Fatal Bullet DLC. I don't think I'll get to another Sword Art Online game this year. You know, I would like to, but I just realistically don't think that'll be the case. Uh, my priorities priorities are, are else there. My priorities are elsewhere this year. Um, and when it comes to RPGs, I'm not sure. I haven't said too much about what RPGs I'm going to play yet, though, because um, I feel like there's a lot of ways I could go. Um, I just don't know exactly where I want to go with RPGs right now. 
So it could be more monolith stuff stuff. It could I could get back to Final Fantasy finally. I know I've been sitting around on uh, Lightning Returns for a long time. That's something I've been wanting to check out. Uh, but I got a lot of a lot of options. So we'll we'll see what happens. But right now my focus is uh, getting content out. And uh, I have a lot of games that were kind. I'm kind of churning through at the moment that I need to kind of get finished up, like Alleyway, um, and and the Tozan RPG. I need to get back to that. Uh, I think I'll, I think I'll play more Megatsudo 2096. Um, that's that game seemed pretty cool. I, I'd like to spend more time with it. So, um, in terms of not really news, news, but I mean, I guess not like game announcement news or anything like that. Um, so, and and if you were on the stream last week or if you know me personally. Um, I'm going to apologize because I know I've been talking about this all week. <laughs> um, and that is that there are actually um, two new prototype ROMs that got out there for Ocarina of Time. Um, one being a, a ROM that was built uh, only like three days before the, the final version of the game was built out. Uh, and basically with that one, it's mostly just glitches uh, that are different. Like there's different types of bugs and things like that. But it's basically a final version of the game. Uh, probably the most noticeable thing in that that version is that when you kill Golden Skulltoas, uh, which drop the little tokens that you collect, so there's like a hundred of them that you kill and collect, um, in the main game, they just kind of die like normal enemies. You kill them, they spin, and then they pop out a, a little token that's floating there, and then they make a noise. They make a special noise uh, specific to that. It's like, bah, 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 or something like that. Um, and, and you know, that, that works well and, and good and fine. Uh, but in this build, uh, <laughs> it plays a cutscene every time you kill one of them. So by cutscene, I mean, like, it kind of, it's similar to, like, when you sl- hit switches in that game, where, like, if you smack a switch, uh, everything will stop. Link will turn and face it. And then, um, and then, uh, it will, like, zoom in on the switch, basically. And then, usually, in the case of, like, a switch, it will, like, zoom in on directly on what is being affected by the switch or something like that. Or at least it's not- noticing, noting you that, like, hey, something's changed, essentially. With the Golden Skull Tuz, that doesn't make a ton of sense. Basically, you kill them, it plays a cutscene, and then, it, like, focuses it on the golden token or whatever. Um, and I guess I could see that, you know, being a first or second time thing where it's like, oh, what is this? I killed it. Okay. This thing is here. But you know, if you're, if you're aiming to kill that thing, you know, like chances are you already know what it is unless you just happen to like blow up a bomb and and just kill one without realizing it. Um, and so like having it play that cutscene every single time you kill an enemy (laughs) probably would have been very, uh, very frustrating. Um, maybe not very frustrating, but it's unnecessary for sure. Um, it, it's one of those things that I did see when people were like looking at it that were like, oh, this is so cool. Why didn't they leave it in the game? It's like, this probably would have been, it's this, I'm not going to say that like everything that's taken out of a game is removed because it makes the game better. Um, sometimes it's just, Hey, we don't have time to work on this or finish this. This golden skull toil cutscene uh, has like some bugs associated with it. It's kind of weird. You can like overlap the cutscene with other cutscenes, things like that. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, uh, I don't think it's really that. I think the, the final implementation probably was for the best, but it is cool to see, you know, what they're thinking about, you know, right before the game came out and, and what they're changing kind of at the last minute um, uh, before releasing. So that was pretty neat. Um, but the more exciting thing is uh, basically an incomplete uh, prototype ROM that we found. Um, basically, there was a, a cartridge that was purchased uh, out there that had a, a final build of F0X on it. And, and note that the cartridge was like a like a one of the development car- cartridges so basically you know usually they could write data to a cartridge because they'd use the same cartridge for te- testing so it's like i'm testing you know i don't know mario 64 
and then now I'm going to test F0X. So I'm going to basically have Mario 64 on this cart. We're going to test it. Okay, now time to test F0X. We're going to overwrite the cart with Mario, with F0X data. So they can keep using that cart for development and things like that and overwrite the data on it. Um, so this cart had um, F0X as the main thing that was on it. Um, and it's just basically a final version of the game. So there's nothing su- super fancy there. Um, but the uh, data that was overwritten was a uh, build of Ocarina of Time um, from probably around the time Space World 97 happened, which if you don't know what Space World is, Space World was a uh, uh, kind of a, a, a gaming trade show event. I, th- I think it organized specifically by Nintendo. I don't think it was more of an industry-wide thing. I think it was a very Nintendo-focused thing. Um, and and that was the first event that Ocarina of Time was playable. Um, and so so it's like this build of the game from like a year beforehand uh, that, that we have partial data for. Um, if you've seen this stuff, probably what you've seen most of so far is, uh, the maps. There, there are essentially all the maps that were in that build, or at least from what we can tell, seem to be largely intact, uh, in that data that was left over. Uh, and, uh, I believe his name is, uh, Z64Me. He, um, he put together like a map pack kind of thing that you could load into a, uh, a, uh, debug ROM of, of Ocarina of Time that leaked out years and years and years ago. Um, so you can like run that on a PC and kind of explore these different maps. And, uh, it's interesting because there's, there's like these very, um, there's like a mix of maps on here. Some of them are very old. If you look at some of the old, like, uh, screenshots from the, the 96 and things like that, uh, 1996 and things like that. You can see some areas in the game, like the original, um, um, Hylian Lake or what we assume was Hylian Lake or whatever. Um, uh, you can see that map there. It's very cartoony. It's very, you know, it's got this like very placeholder kind of house that's on it. Um, and, and that map is in that, that, that pack, which is re- neat, but it doesn't really like match up with the rest of Zelda. And then there are maps in there that are more final. So you have, um, you know, the, 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 uh, there's a, a version of Hyrule Field on there. That's very much like the final Hyrule Field with a lot of different changes here and there. Um, it's, it's actually very different a lot, like when it comes to structure, but like how it looks feels very much like the final Hyrule field. So, so this is kind of this weird mixture because, and you can, you can really tell because like the old maps have this very cartoony look. People always say it's like Super Mario 64-ish looking. I don't know if I particularly agree with that, but it is definitely more cartoony looking overall. Um, where the final maps definitely have the more realistic tone that the final game has. Um, but probably most interesting is that there are uh, complete dungeons in here in terms of like the structure of the dungeon. Um, so we can see like the original Deku Tree, which which basically is is nothing like the final game in terms of structure. Um, there's some very vague connections, but very, very slight. It is almost a completely different dungeon. Um, and then we have uh, areas like the the Fire Temple, which looks looks a lot more closer to the final version, things like that. So it's, it's like a, kind of a, a mix of things where it's like some of these things are very near final, but with some major changes. And then other ones are just like completely different from what, what would initially or what would eventually end up in the game um so it's it's really interesting to see that stuff and uh and uh you know if you want to poke around that stuff there's a there's a mod out there i'll link the video that shows it and i think it has a download link in the comments um in the thing um but you know that what 
what that video is or that, that, that ROM is that you're downloading is not the complete, you know, prototype ROM because it was overwritten by F0X. You're not playing a prototype version of the game. It's just those maps imported into the final version of the game or, or a, a debug version of master quest essentially, uh, for, I believe specifically for the GameCube version. I could be wrong about that, that debug version of master quest, but I, I believe it was in relation to testing the GameCube version of, of, uh, master quest. Anyways, though, um, but, but there is more stuff in that build. Um, um, it is there is like actor actor uh, locations. So you know basically where enemies are located and things like that. That's not in that download, but there is that information in the actual uh, ROM data that was found. So what um, uh, there's a guy specifically uh, named Zell who has been uh, basically kind of going and putting actors in um, in into that map. Uh, and those actors are the final actors from the final game. Uh, but they've been basically doing some, some research work, looking at pre-release materials of the game and figuring out like which actors are which, and then basically populating that throughout the dungeon so they can have, you know, the enemy layout and things like that in the dungeon and, and get something that's more complete to what, what was actually there and, uh, you know, being shown off at Space World and was just in the data files as like a, a, a early version of, of these dungeons and things like that. So, so, um, basically what what zell is doing he's a he's a rom hacker and he did a, a rom hack called the missing link for ocarina of time a while ago that was received pretty well i i have not tried it myself but people really liked it um he's basically trying to make a recreation mod um there was like somewhat similar of a recreation mod that was made with some of the last data and the last ocarina of time uh leak that happened um but that recreation um added some custom stuff in there like the character model in there is not really accurate um there are some enemies that are custom enemies that actually as far as we can tell never really existed in the game per se um so so there's like some some creative liberties that were taken with that in the case of zell he's trying to make it as accurate as possible to the end or to the to, to what's in the data itself and what evidence we have an evidence-based you know rom hack essentially um but it seems kind of um there's going to be have to be some some liberties taken here and there uh and and he's going to create like a list of of basically disclaimers of like hey i had to put something in this place to make this work you know it's not what was actually there but here's the reasoning why i made this decision and what the choices i made so so you know it's a shame we don't have something that's like a playable a playable version of that 1997 uh space world demo uh but it's it's still very cool we have the information there and and that people are willing to make this uh amalgamation between the final game and the level design of the of the, that prototype release uh that that people can potentially play you know depending on how things go it seems like things are going very well um and you know it's just even even outside of that rom thing or whatever like even if you don't like don't have interest in like the 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 weird you know prototype uh rom hack that they're probably gonna end up throwing together you know this is yet another place for people to pull data from you know the, the iq uh giga leak that happened last year um that uh you know offered a lot of new information about Ocarina of Time and that was a, a you know build of the game that existed uh post release cuz IQ is the Chinese Nintendo 64 essentially and um essentially it uh, uh uh was like how they how they used or the tools they used to develop that version of the game in like 2002ish 2003 so it was like after Ocarina of Time came out where this is like something that's actually data from before release which is really cool so hopefully someday we'll find a complete a complete rom out there but uh yeah we'll see about that but it is it's definitely been a great year 
um, for Ocarina of Time data mining and things like that. It's 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 going to be keep an eye on the cutting room floor page if you're interested in this stuff because this stuff is going to continue to roll out for the next year and a half. I visit the cutting room floor probably every month or so just to see what's happened in Ocarina of Time, and I'm always uh, very excited. So. Uh, one thing I should know about the cutting room floor, though, is that it is good to always, you know, be skeptical of some, certain things on there. The reason I bring this up is because I had mentioned uh, on the stream, and I think at some point in the podcast as well, that I was working on like an Ocarina of Time uh, video that I'm probably going to push out a little bit just because I kind of want to get some distance away from all this stuff happening. I don't want people thinking that the thing I want to talk about is anything in relation to this. Um, but one of the things that were on there was kind of about how the A button worked in, in Ocarina of Time on one of the pages. And um, but the problem was, is that the information I saw on there, I couldn't find any source of. I found the person who posted the information on the Tiny Room floor, but I couldn't find where the information about how the user interface worked in this particular instance, um, where where he was getting his information from. Um so I'm a little not sure how I plan to proceed with that video. If I do proceed with it, I will probably, you know, make very heavy notes of just like, hey, this 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 thing I want to talk about is a very speculative kind of thing. You know, I don't I don't want to edit the cutting room floor because I, you know, I, I don't I'm not involved in that community enough to have confidence of what he's saying is wrong. But I talked with um somebody who um is a a high profile uh, data miner in that scene and, and linked in the page with the information. And he was just like, yeah, that there's no evidence of this thing that he's claiming. Um, not that it couldn't have been, but, uh, yeah, we'll get into that later. I think I will still make the video, but, uh, I just got to kind of recontextualize the video, um, because there's a lack of, of direct evidence of what I was going to talk about, but there is still things we can look into and, uh, and talk about that just might be a bit more speculative uh, based off the media at the time about the game. So yeah, sorry. Talk about that in very vague terms, but I don't want to, you know, say exactly what it is before I really narrow it down entirely that, or if I end up, you know, scaling back what I'm writing about kind of thing. Um, man, Video game data mining, right? I'm sure it's very exciting for y'all to hear. <laughs> I still got to do the Final Fantasy XI map stuff as well. Oh man, there's also I was I also really want to do stuff on like the Dirge of Cerberus multiplayer. Um, I I did a podcast on the Dirge of Cerberus multiplayer a long time ago, but it was just kind of a rambling mess of me just being like, blah, blah, blah. I read I read a website about the Dirge of Cerberus multiplayer. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> So, uh, but I would like to do stuff on those someday, but I, I will always have projects I can make for myself. Uh, anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlPort.com is the website. In terms of content, uh, there was a Ridge Racer DS review that went up last week. So if you want, you can go ahead and check that out. Uh, on the YouTube page. Um, I also uh, wrote a article for the first time in about two years. I've wrote a full article. I did do some smaller blog posts um, throughout 2019, but uh, but yeah, so first, first year, been a year since I've posted anything written on the website and been two years since I posted like a real article. Uh, this is about El Shaddai and um, the event El Shaddai only, uh, which was a, a Dojin event for El Shaddai. Um, so I just kind of talk about, you know, what El Shaddai only is, um, some of the stuff that was there, including El Shaddai, the D-I-E. Um, so if you want to check that out, that's going to go up on the website tomorrow. Um, I don't really know the best way to advertise that thing. That's the kind of thing with articles is I never really figure out how to like get the word out about them usually. Um, you know, it's my first thing I've written in real two, like, like two years and it kind of came together haphazardly. So, uh, I don't know if I have a ton of confidence that it 
That is the greatest work I've ever done. Uh, but I think it was all right. And it's interesting. And it's very, very researched. I had somebody tell me once that how I write is like a more personal Wikipedia page. And I'm like, hmm, that's probably all right. There's a lot of, a lot of sourcing, <laughs> things like that. And, and I usually talk in facts, um, if I can. So I don't know. But anyways, uh, that's coming up tomorrow. If you're really curious about El Shaddai and kind of the community around El Shaddai, uh, you should check that out. Um, and then I have the Valkyrie Revolution review going up next week. That'll be going up on Tuesday next week. Um, in terms of stream stuff, though, uh, we went ahead and started up Industrial Spy Operation Espionage again. Uh, I will note, if you did not catch the stream from last week, uh, it's probably one you could probably skip. I spent basically the entire time just looking at a GameFAQs guide. Um, very exciting. Uh, but we'll be picking up more normal levels again this week and hopefully, hopefully having a good time with that. Um, I think I might also play some Final Fantasy XV Comrades um, if we have some extra time at the end of the stream too. I, I, I forgot that I need to have like something bonus planned at the end of a, of a Industrial Spy stream because sometimes there's like 30 to 45 minutes left and I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I have to have something ready to do. So I think we might play a little bit of Final Fantasy XV Comrades afterwards if you want to check that out. Or you can play with me if you have Final Fantasy XV Comrades. I'd be happy to. I'm on the PlayStation 4 version, so... Anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlPort.com is the website, and I hope you have a great week. Bye.